Okay, well, I do appreciate you all being here tonight. I do appreciate your willingness to, to, and your obedience to be here on a Wednesday night when I know there's probably other things that are on your agendas, other things that you probably need to be taken care of, family members or what it might be, whatever it might be. Uh, I know whenever I happen to just kind of catch a movement out of the, my peripheral vision and I saw Brother Greg step in, it's almost like when you're teaching a lesson and you just happen to glance over and your administration walks in and sits down. You're just going, oh boy, here we go. All right, so, uh, but no, he's, he's great. I do appreciate him giving, uh, asking me to, to fill this in. And I'll just, and I'll, be, I'll have a moment of honesty about it, that when he asked me to do it, I was reluctant. I hesitated about it a little bit. Because there are things in my life that I have that require a lot of my attention. You know, I'm a full-time school teacher. I coach the girls' high school basketball team, which we had workouts this afternoon. And I'm a husband and a father. And so that takes up a lot of my days. There are a lot of times I'm not getting to bed until 11, 11.30 at night doing different things, whether it's my job or whether it's planning a practice or a workout for the next day or grading papers or Riley decides that she doesn't want to go to sleep and she just wants to stay up. So guess who gets to stay up with her? Dad does. But that's okay, because Tamara has to get up early in the morning to go to the hospitals for work. But as I kept wrestling with this, and I kept trying to figure out, okay, if I'm going to speak, what do I need to speak about? And, it, and in that experience, in that little struggle, it was like God said, here it is. This is what I want you to speak on, and that is being obedient and willing. And there is a character in the Bible that I want us to kind of look at tonight. And as Christians, I fully believe that every one of us are called to lead and to influence others in some capacity. Uh, we should uh, commit to learn from the lives of both Old and New Testament leaders. These men and women of God were commended by God. And as we know, leaders are defined by their characteristics that they have. True leaders are truly teachable. Okay, so I feel that if you're a good leader, you are someone who is teachable as well. The underlying cause of unteachable spirit is pride. And a, and a prideful leader is, will not, would not make a great leader in all cases. We, are, we must be willing as Christians to ask God for a spirit of submission that accepts both discipline and correction. And I promise you, I'm not going to discipline or correct anybody in here tonight, so don't get nervous. But tonight, we're going to uh, listen and learn from the life of Noah. And at times, uh, whenever we look at the list of biblical characters, and I, sometimes I don't like to call them characters, but the biblical leaders, whether from the Old Testament or the New Testament, you list them, if you were to put a list of them, Noah would it probably appear on most of our lists near the bottom. He would probably make the list, but he probably wouldn't be somebody that you would put up near the top. May, some of us, maybe they, you put him in the middle, but I don't think many of us, is anybody in here that maybe you would put Noah in your top five of, of biblical leaders? And, and I wouldn't either. And that, but that's not to say that Noah was not a mighty man of God. He certainly was, but you can see that by the way that he moved and operated and the way that he brought forth the kingdom of God on this earth. So the entire passage 
that this uh, little lesson comes from is from Genesis chapter 6. It starts there, and it continues all the way to Genesis chapter 8. But there is no way that I, we're going to cover that much material tonight, so we're just going to look at a little snippet, just a little bit excerpt. And what we're going to look at tonight is um, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And I'll give you a chance to turn there. And I'll be reading from the New International Version in my Bible. So it says in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But God found favor... In, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now continuing into verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. And there are some different variations that say, some say cypress, some say gopher wood, but the main thing is that he said make the ark out of wood. Okay, so, um, but after this little short little excerpt is where Noah receives the instructions, the specific instructions on how he's supposed to build this ark. And before we get into all the talking about the specifics and everything, I do want us to flip ahead in our Bibles real quick. This is going to be in Hebrews. Okay, so this is uh, it's quite a jump. We go from almost the beginning, really the beginning of the Bible to almost the end of the Bible. And you don't really have to flip. I'm going to read this next verse to you. This is 11, Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And so there you see... Many, many books later, the author of Hebrews is commending Noah for his faithfulness. Noah has been dead for many years prior to that, but he is brought up again by the, the writer of Hebrews. And uh, not only for his faithfulness, but for his righteousness and for the fear of God that he possessed. Now Genesis records the historical section of what happened when God instructed Noah to build the ark. And so the task, as we all know, that Noah was given was that he was told to build this ark. And the length, I'm going to kind of give you what it mentions after verse 14. The length of the ark was supposed to be right around uh, 300 cubits in length, 
The width of it was to be 50 cubits, and its height was to be 30 cubits. And so to kind of put it into perspective as to what the size of it might be, um, the length of it being about almost 500 feet. And that is roughly about the size of a football stadium and then a half of another. So if you think about like Nissan Stadium in Nashville, if you've ever driven by it, it's one of those in length and then half of another one. And I don't know, has anybody ever been to the Ark Encounter where they built the replica and they used these measurements? My parents actually just went two weeks ago for their anniversary and they sent me pictures and they waited until people were getting ready to walk into it for scale just to show how big it was. And it's really interesting to see a human being look about this big. But it, uh, it's a very big ship. You know, sometimes in pictures and little drawings and stuff, it appears to be just this tiny little boat, but it was not that. And the height of the ark is kind of equivalencies here. The height of the ark is equivalent to that of a four-story apartment. Okay, so it wasn't just little tall. It was very, very tall. Okay, so, and we can imagine Noah building this ark. By himself, and I'm sure it looks like, on looking at it, it's a tough job. It's probably a near impossible task for one person to do. And adding to that, the Bible tells us that Noah was 500 years old when he was given this task. What an age. So tonight, there are three different uh, aspects that I want us to look at real quickly when it comes to the life of Noah. The first one, the first aspect of Noah is that we are never too old or too young to build. So Noah began to build the ark at the age of 500 years old, but he also had the help of his three sons that were mentioned here in the scripture, Shem, Han, and Japhet. Now, it was not an overnight thing. This was not something that they just did in a few days and then it's there. It took these men 100 years to build this boat, this ark. And so the math teacher in me is coming out right now, and I'm wanting to see if you're following along. So if he was 500 years old when he started, and it took him 100 years, how old is he now? He's 600 years old, but he's to, and he has completed it. He has finished it. So Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came to the earth, and that's mentioned in Genesis, uh, in, in Genesis 7 as well. In Genesis 7, 6, it says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And so, how long did the, the rains last? 40 days and 40 nights. Does anybody know how long, though, they were actually on the boat? 150 days. Okay, so right around five, six months is what you're looking at. Really, no, maybe a little bit less than that. More about four or five months. And so, even after that, when the, the floodwaters recede and they're able to get off the boat, it, uh, the Bible tells us that Noah was lived on for another 350 years. Okay, so how old was Noah when he passed away? He was 500 when he started, he was 600 when he finished, and then he lived for another 350 years. So how old is that? Over 900, 950 years old when he passed away. So if we can kind of convert that into today's lifetime, 
you know, when Noah was given the task of building the ark, he was roughly the equivalencies are roughly around 45 to 50 years old when he was given the task. And so he was not quite a young man, but he was kind of what you call middle-aged. He was, he was kind of getting a little bit older. He was kind of reaching that age where you might start to, to think about retirement or things like that. But Noah's life is one that tells us we are never too old to build. And so it's an often interesting thing to think about what would have happened had Noah gone into this early retirement? Had he been, okay, I've done my part for my lifetime. I'm done. I'm just, I'm going to sit back and enjoy whatever time I have left. What would have happened? There would have been a lot of bad things that would have followed. And I can tell you a few things that would have never been given the opportunity to happen. Noah would not have built the ark, one. Abraham and Sarah would not have given birth to Isaac. Moses would not have been used by God to deliver his people from Egypt. Joshua would not have been been able to lead the children of Israel into Canaan. Caleb would not have possessed the mountain. Simeon would not have seen the salvation of the Lord. And you go all the way into the New Testament. Paul would not have made his second or his third missionary journeys. If you're looking at that kind of age time, if they had stopped. So all those people right around that age, they, can, they did their work later in life, though these works later in life. So we are not limited by our age. We're never too old nor too young for God to use. And I know me personally, I know some of us, and all of us probably think this at times, can God really do something through me? Can he really use me? So in our lives, we often question ourselves, and we often question things such as, how many souls have we brought to the kingdom of God? How many people have we shared Christ with? And through our ministry and our words and our life, how many of them are actually brought to the kingdom of God? I know oftentimes when we think about the answers to that question, we tend to get disappointed. We might think, I haven't really done enough. I haven't done what God has given me, the, the, the platforms he's given me. But Noah himself is an encouragement. When we look at the life of Noah, we see that God can use anybody and that God is a restorer. He is a God who restores our life. So you see a man who was 500 years old, then he's given this task, and it's almost like he's given a new sense of purpose. So that's the first aspect, is that we are never too old, nor are we too young. The second aspect that I want us to look at is that you don't need to rely on your past experiences. There are times in our lives that God is going to use us to do things that we have never done. I'm doing one right now. Now, granted, I have done Sunday school lessons and things like that, and I did the videos when we were all quarantined, and it was in the same setting, standing in this exact same place, but nobody was sitting in the pews looking at me except for Tom. Okay, and... It was so it, I don't I didn't have eyes looking at me so this was definitely something that I had to be willing to do and, and would be to be obedient to do. Maybe you've never sang in the choir or maybe you've never done a solo, but when God asks us to do something, we need to do it. So um, it's often speculated because of what's mentioned in Hebrews 11, where it talks about he had the fear of things that he had not yet seen. There are some biblical scholars that uh, tend to think that Noah had really never seen rain in his lifetime. 
If you look about the area that he lived in, he he might have never seen rain, but he probably had definitely never seen a flood. He may have seen rain from time to time, but he might not have actually seen a flood. And so rain or this flood was a new thing for Noah that maybe he didn't fully understand. Maybe he didn't really have many past experiences with it. But it shows us that we do not need to rely on our past experiences. While they may be good, and sometimes our past experience can be applicable for when God calls us to do something, but we do not need to rely on them. Instead, we need to rely on the Word of God, not our feelings and our experiences. Uh, Today, many leadership experts, if you've ever been to any kind of professional development or anything like that, if if they consider themselves leaders, education leaders or any other type of leader, they'll tell you that you lead based on the success that you gained in the past, something at which you tried, it worked out, and then if you try it again today, it's going to work again. These are the people that we would call leaders. They have developed strategies or processes that work almost every time, and so they're considered to be leaders. But most of the time when God calls us to do something, He wants us to rely on just Him, to rely on His Word and on His promises, not on our past experiences. So Noah, not really probably having ever experienced a drop of rain or having ever experienced an actual flood, but yet he was dependent on the Word of God, not on his feelings or his experiences. That means that God can use anybody as long as we receive from God and hear, God, and hear from God and obey what God says. So if we hear from Him, we receive Him, and then we obey what He says. Most often, there is a danger about going by our past experiences because if we go by our past experiences, a lot of times it will not allow us to believe what God is saying. We'll start to get our own opinions and our own thoughts and our own feelings into it if it's something that's based in our past experiences. And a lot of times it will not really help us believe in the word that God has spoken to us. Because the definition of faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are not seen. And as you heard in verse 11, in Hebrews 11, it talked about Noah having faith to do this. And a great way that Noah kind of ties into this is that does anybody know what Noah's profession was? I'll give you a clue. Todd County has a lot of them. Farmers. Noah's profession was a farmer. He was not a carpenter. He was not a builder. Now, did he probably build some things that he had to on his farm? Probably. I mean, the odds are, yes, he did. But he never had to take on a task like God had given him. And so it seems impossible to think that a farmer could build this huge vessel, but not with God leading the way. And so that's the, that we don't need, that's our second aspect, is that we don't need to rely on past experiences. And then the third aspect from the story of Noah is that God doesn't make the ark, we make the ark. If Noah were to be standing here right now for a question and answer session, you know, and you were to be getting the chance to sit down and talk with him, which, you know, there, I hope that in heaven we do get to sit down and we get to talk to different people that, we, that 
had these experiences. Like, I would love to sit down with Noah, or I would love to sit down with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or I would love to sit down with, with Daniel or anybody and just hear their experiences with God. But if Noah were to be standing here right now, and we were to ask him, what helped you build the ark? A lot of us might be thinking, well, you know, it was the help of his sons. Or, you know, it was the, his strong back from being a farmer for 500 years almost. Yeah, that was what helped me be able to do it. But I don't think that's what he would say. I think Noah would look right back at us and say, I learned one thing in the whole process of building the ark, and that's that God didn't make the ark. We have to make it. We had to make it. The moment that I was given the vision of it, I didn't just sit and pray about what I needed to do. I went and did it. And he's, I, don't, I don't think in the way that it sounds, I don't think he's making it about himself, but what he's saying is that God gave me the vision and then I used that vision and put it into action. So God didn't give him the ark because God is not in the business of building arks. So when God gave the design to Noah, as much times it happens in our life too, God gives us a design, He gives us the instructions, but we must build what He has instructed us to build. It's kind of like in the movie Field of Dreams. This man gets this vision, and he, gets the, he hears the little whisper, if you build it. But in that movie, he's questioning. He's like, oh, I don't know what to build. Why am I building this? That never happened to Noah. God told him exactly what to do, and why he was doing it. So Noah had to build the ark, but God did several things to help Noah along the way. God grew the trees. Noah couldn't grow the trees himself. Was he a farmer? Yes. Did he probably have a green thumb? Yes. But he couldn't grow the trees. Only God could do that. God broke open the deep, and he sent the rain from above. Noah couldn't do that either. So God was involved in it, but Noah had to build the ark to be prepared. To me, when a leader gets a vision, and especially when somebody is going to get a vision from God, they don't just sit, about, sit around and pray about it they, and leave it there. They're just going, okay, so I've got this vision, so I'm, I'm going to pray about it until, until God does something. It gives me another sign. No, that a good leader goes and does something about it. I have this vision that God wants me to do, and I, let's go make it happen. So it's not either praying or doing that's enough. It's, the or isn't, is, is not enough, but it's praying and doing. There are times probably throughout that 100 years that I know that Noah was probably down on his knees in prayer saying, God, the people of this town think I'm crazy. Or he might say, God, you said that you were going to send a flood. And there has not been a single drop of water. The lakes or the rivers in this area are not even higher than what they were when you told me this. So I've been working on this for 50 years. How much longer is it going to take? You know, there were probably times that he doubted himself. It doesn't really mention it specifically, but Noah was human. And I'm sure, he, but it says that he was righteous and, and I'm sure he prayed about it, but he kept building and building and building. And so sometimes as believers, we're all, and we're all guilty of it, myself included. We pray for more and we do very little about it. Eventually, we appear to be as fools in front of the unbelievers. When someone sees us just constantly praying for this miracle or something to happen, but we don't do anything to help make it happen. 
Because we say that we believe in our prayer, and ex but expect God to do the work on behalf of us. There was a, a book that I read when I was a young boy. I don't know if many of you have probably read it as well. It's called Where the Red Fern Grows. And I don't know if any of you know the premise of the story. It's about a 12-year-old boy who wants hunting dogs. He grows up, he grows up in uh, Great Depression, Oklahoma. And all he wants is for coon dogs to go hunting with. And he just, he's poor, he has no money, and he goes to his grandfather who owns a store, and he tells his grandpa he's just that he, he's been praying and praying and praying for dogs, but it's just not happening. And so his grandfather tells him, well, you know, it's, you can pray for dogs all you want to, but until you start putting in some work, nothing's going to happen. Until you try to meet God halfway, you won't get any dogs. And so the boy starts going and getting odd jobs and starts raising money, and eventually he's able to get the dogs. And so it really kind of shows that just praying about it is not enough, but praying and doing is what we need to be doing. So when leaders get a vision, they not only pray about it, but they do something about it. When God gave a vision to Noah, Noah, he went on doing, he went on doing something about it, and eventually he built the ark so that when the floodwaters did come, he was prepared and his family was saved. And so to summarize... Just remember that the three aspects that I want us to look at tonight was, number one, you are never too old or too young to build. Number two, you don't need to rely on your past experiences. And number three, God doesn't make the ark. We have to make it. I'd like for us now just to, to close in a word of prayer. And again, I appreciate you all being here today and just your faithfulness and for just being here and just listening to me. I hope I didn't bore you too much. Uh, but again, let's just, let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, we come to you today. We're just very thankful for this lesson. Lord, I'm just uh, thankful for you laying it on my heart. And Lord, I just pray that, that your words were heard and not mine. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be with each one of us as we go throughout our day-to-day -day lives. And Lord, I just pray that we would be uh, Christians that are not only praying about the visions and the, the things that you are laying before us, God, but we'd be willing to do something about them and that we'd be willing to put them into action just as Noah did. And Lord, I just pray you continue to be with each one that was mentioned for prayer requests. I pray that you just continue to lay your hands on them in only a way that you can. I just pray that you just be with the church as we continue to be in outreach in the community. And just to continue to be with Brother Greg as he leads the church. Just pray you lay your hands on him. Bless him and his family as they're getting ready to welcome a new, new child. What, a, what an amazing time that is. And Lord, we just pray for a healthy delivery, a healthy baby, and a healthy mama. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for all that you've done for us. It's in your name we pray.